Hey everyone, Becky from The Shift Team here, and we're back with a new mini episode to help everyone with some quick listens to get great ideas and tools for gymnastics. Keep your hips healthy with these seven steps. The hip joint is one of the most tricky joints to break down and take care of and oftentimes can create some problems in performance and pain. In this mini-podcast, Dave breaks down the exact steps he gives people to take care of their mobility, strength, and programming so that they can stay ahead of issues. Without further ado, we're going to break down some things and kind of talk about the other side of what we talked about with shoulders, but now in relation to hips. I work with a lot of gymnasts and CrossFit athletes, Olympic weightlifters, dancers, right, baseball athletes, softball athletes, track and field athletes that have a variety of hip problems. After their rehab is done, they want to know what can I do to prevent this, and I really don't like that term preventing injury, but what can I do to keep my hips as healthy as possible because they want to train, they want to enjoy their life, but also just everyday people, right? Like we work with a lot of just general people who want to work out, be fit, lift their kids up, go about their daily life, have fun, and also they sometimes have problems with their hips as well. This is just my experience generally about what I think is important. Obviously, every type of injury is different. Every type of person is different. Every type of sport is different. This is not like a blanket all statement, but it's a good starting point to just think things through and about what maybe you can do to work on it yourself or what you can do when you work with a medical provider or a strength coach to kind of narrow in on these things. That leads to number one, right? Just like the shoulder, the most important thing is going to be having some sort of a screen and then working with a medical provider. Or also if you're not in pain and you just want to be healthy, a good strength and conditioning coach, because a really good screen will tell you what your specific needs are, right? And I think the hip is a little bit more complicated than the shoulder because people's hips are shaped differently. People have different angles of their femur or their acetabulum. So it can affect what types of exercises you do and also what type of things you want to work on. Because oftentimes I work with people where they've gone to some other people and it just hasn't really worked out. And with me, I do a little bit more of an in-depth screen. We talk more about what's going on, why they're having this problem, what their goals are. We can actually cut out like 50% of what they're doing in their program because it might not be hard enough or it might not be the right thing for what their goals are. Work with a medical provider, work with a strength coach, get a good screen, get a good assessment for your program to be good. Also for you to really understand what you can do to help your hips long-term. With that being said, I think one of the most important parts of any maintenance care program is trying to maintain good mobility through soft tissue care and good joint range of motion stuff. With the hip in particular, there are a couple areas that when you do a sport, when you do a lot of things over and over again, some areas are more prone to get very, very stiff and overworked, whereas other areas typically get a little bit underdeveloped, which we'll talk about later. With the hip itself, the most common one that I see that I think people don't often think about is actually the adductors. So the inner thigh, right? I think the adductors themselves, as much as they do definitely work to pull your legs together, we know that when you sprint, the leg that is behind you when you pull through, the muscles in the front of your groin, like your pectineus, are very active to pull that leg through, right? And also be involved in the sprinting motion to assist your hip flexors. But then also when you're squatting, the bottom portion of a squat very much involves the adductor magnus and some of the adductor muscles behind your leg assisting with the hamstring and the glutes. We want to work on the adductors. I really like to do this with some like just basic foam rolling inside, doing some half kneeling adductor rocks, kneeling rock backs with your adductor as well. Just general kind of hip health stuff like that. Hands and knees outside glute moves are good to kind of balance that too. It's not about the adductors, but usually goes well along with that one. So outside hip, but the adductors are very overlooked. I think it's something we want to do. The other thing that people know a little bit more about is going to be the quads and the hip flexors, right? We don't want to have someone who gets very stiff in their quads and hip flexors and is put in a very big arch or anterior pelvic tilt because that can bug the front of their hips sometimes. But also 
if we don't know how to get into a proper position of our core and our hips when we're squatting or deadlifting or sprinting, that can bug the groin and the hip flexor or the joint as well. Whatever you would find on a screen, I typically recommend doing about 30 to 60 seconds of a few different exercises, whether it's foam rolling, whether it's stretching, whether it's eccentrics. I really like doing five reps, a five second lower and a five second hold for some of like the low squat holds for adductor work or like some lateral Cossack squats. Just doing some of that stuff every single day is really, really helpful to maintain proper mobility. Windshield wipers to improve hip IR are really good as well. Nice and easy adductor work as well. It doesn't need to be crazy intense to work. Some sort of local soft tissue care for the hip is very, very important to do. Along with that, I think we know the shoulder has a rotator cuff that you want to strengthen, you want to work on. We talked about that in the other video, but I think people don't really understand that there's actually no direct hip internal rotators of the hip. It's just the groin and the glute muscles, depending on the activity they do. But there is very much like a hip cuff, right? You need to be working on your hip rotator cuff. It's kind of the same way we view it. So not that it's like, you know, a bunch of muscles grabbing the femoral head like we have in the shoulder, but we want to work the deep hip rotators quite a bit. And we also really want to work on the side glute muscles at a very, very high intensity hypertrophy way and make sure we're doing a lot of high intensity work to balance out those dynamic stabilizers, really helping assist the motion at the femur itself. And also when you're sprinting and running, a lot of those side butt muscles and some of the deep hip rotators are very important. Biggest thing that I see is people either don't train these things directly, but also maybe they don't do them in a way that is challenging enough. So it's not hard enough with the band or the weight they're using or the exercise they're using. And they don't really find as though it's helpful. Get really strong quads, really strong hamstrings, really strong calf and core and quad muscles, but they don't really get enough balance on the outside of the hip. So things that I really like to do along with some stuff we'll talk about over here, but particularly for the deep hip rotators, I think that side plank clamshells are really good. Okay. Also for the side of the hips as well, side plank abduction, uh, lateral sled drags are also really, really good options. Band walking is also a really good option as well, but I typically find that the hip rotators, so maybe goblet toe taps, some side plank abduction, some lateral sled drags, and then also doing some more intense work for the rotators and standing with maybe pivoting like hip airplanes. Those are great as well, but just make sure they're tough, make sure they're hard enough. And the way we want to do these is typically two to three sets of somewhere between eight to 10 reps. The strength side is more like six to eight versus the hypertrophy side is more eight to 12. Generally, you know, two to three sets of eight to 10 of these exercises are good, particularly because when you're side planking, the down leg has more activity of the glute med when the top leg is working. So if you do two sets on each side, it's really four sets for the actual glutes themselves. So we like those quite a bit. To balance these out though, the other thing that is often really overlooked, like we talked about the upper back is overlooked in the shoulder for training really hard. Direct glute training is sometimes overlooked. So a lot of people want to squat. They might be even doing deadlifts as too, which is good glute training and hamstring. Direct glute training with things like weighted hip lifts are oftentimes overlooked or kettlebell swing. So I think that a lot of times that's going to be something that's really key. So weighted hip lifts, right? But also like KB swings, or kettlebell swings, Russian swings. We want direct glute training, right? Because a lot of the times, again, very dominant in the hip flexors, quads, adductors, but that posterior tilt, part of that comes from hamstrings, but a lot of that comes from the glutes. So if we're not balancing out barbell hip lifts or weighted hip lifts with chains or a TRX strap with this kind of stuff that we're doing, you might get a really big over dominance of a certain muscle groups and not have a good glute training to kind of balance out keeping that hip nice and healthy and strong. Okay. So for these, I typically recommend three to five sets of again, six to eight, if you're in the strength side or eight to 12, if you're in the hypertrophy side, but at least two times a week for all of this is what we're going to talk about, but definitely two times a week for direct glute training. So for me personally, I try to do hip lifts one time per week. I try to do some kettlebell swings one time per week as well. A lot of other options though, banded pull throughs, tall kneeling hip hinges, like doesn't have to be those exercises. Do whatever is more comfortable for you. Doing some direct glute training, very, very important as well to keep your hips and also your low back healthy. And lastly, down here, a couple more just that are more everyday things to think about, not just actual exercises. Proper technique by far and away is going to be huge, right? And I think the hip in particular is one where it comes up because the argument about proper squatting position of where your feet are and toe turnout, that's obviously something to think about. If you don't front squat with good technique, the weight gets too heavy and you start to round your back, your knees start to cave in. That motion inwards can also pinch the groin a little bit and cause some 
irritation, but then we don't wanna be doing anything with bad technique because we might be causing some overuse over time, especially if people have bony abnormalities like cam or pincher lesions or retroversion of their hip. Different squatting really, really deep with some irritation and some poor technique can really add up to some sparked issues fast. So always having proper technique, particularly when you squat, when you deadlift, when you're doing split squats or step ups, keep those things nice and square and be a stickler for technique. Don't increase the weight if your technique starts to fall apart or if you're getting really tired, maybe it's time to switch up some of the exercise prescriptions and the way we do this, which leads to the next point, which is how important programming is, okay? A lot of times I see people who just do a program, they're kind of going after it, but they never consult with a strength coach or a medical provider and they're doing exercises that maybe are not the most fit for them. We talked about with squatting just a second ago, how the depths of squat, right? If you're someone who has really, really deep hip sockets and your sport doesn't require you to squat super, super low like Olympic weightlifting might do, maybe you can just box squat, right? Maybe you can go to half as far as you can comfortably with good technique as you work on your mobility and get lower and lower. But another one comes up with like front squatting, right? Some people don't have the mobility to do a great front rack. So maybe they just cross squat or safety bar squat. Totally fine to do that as well, right? The other one that I think comes up a lot though for people who maybe have hip and back issues together is like the option of a deadlift versus a weighted hip lift. I'm a huge fan of deadlifting. I think you should learn how to deadlift, but there's a lot of ways to deadlift, right? You could conventional deadlift with your feet close together and your hands really close and get a really big range of motion where you could sumo deadlift, where you could elevate the deadlift, where you could do trap bar deadlift, right? Where you could dumbbell RDL to start with. There's a lot of options there all the way from a kettlebell deadlift to a conventional deadlift or a snatch grip deadlift, which is very challenging mobility wise. But based on your goals, you have to have different programming for you. If you're not someone who wants to do those extreme ranges of motion, maybe you go with an option that feels comfortable that you can load the weight up more and not feel like you're going to get some irritation in your hips or your back. Or for some people who are new to the training program, maybe just doing a hip lift is going to be a better option for them to start with. It's still a hinge. It's still great, but it's going to be a little bit more back and hip friendly than doing something that's a little bit more aggressive like a deadlift where it takes more time to learn that technique. So work with a strength coach, work with a medical provider, get an assessment, figure out what program works for you and get the right kind of option there. Okay. And then lastly, most importantly, we know that it's really important to be aware of the early warning signs, right? The early signs of pain or soreness that lasts too long can really be one of the biggest tells for what we're going to do. So personally, I tell people that the difference between soreness is pain is soreness typically is 24 to 48 hours. It feels general. It feels achy. It's not sharp and local. It doesn't last for a long time. If you have soreness or pain that is more than a three out of a 10 on a scale, zero, 10, zero is none, 10 is horrific pain. If you have more than a three out of a 10, if it's lasting about three days or more, or if you have something that is blocking or restricting your training for three or more sessions that you try to work out and you can't squat because your hips bugging you, that's something you probably want to get checked out. So with all of this in mind, what I would recommend is if you're trying to keep your hips as healthy as possible. If you're someone who works in a sport like sprinting or running, you're trying to keep your athletes healthy, or you particularly are like a Cirque artist or you're someone in gymnastics or ballet and you're trying to keep your hips healthy, I would recommend two times a week for particularly three and four. It's kind of every day, some sort of soft tissue work. Okay. So get your screen, do some sort of soft tissue stuff every single day for the program you're working on, get the hips warmed up nice and well. Three and four, you want to get two to three times per week. Two is kind of ideal. Three, if you work in like a professional sport where you need your hips to be really, really high functioning of doing some different exercises for the hip rotators, for the glutes, things like that. And then direct glute training as well, along with the stuff you're doing like step ups and split squats and squats and whatever else you're doing for lifting. So trying to get there and then five, six, and seven are more just rules to kind of have in the back of your mind all the time of that. Always prioritize technique and quality over quantity. Always keep your programming in mind and then also watch for the early signs of something bugging you. Try to have a good relationship with strength coaches and medical providers to kind of talk on the fly. Sometimes just easy tweaks make a world of difference down the road. Hopefully you enjoyed this mini podcast episode. Let us know if it was helpful and if you have any suggestions of what you'd like to learn about next.
Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening to that episode. I hope that you really enjoyed it and got a lot of value out of it. I just want to let you know before we sign off here that a couple things we'd love for you to do. So one is please just make sure that you rate and review the podcast on iTunes or Spotify or Stitcher, wherever you're listening, because that really does help the episode grow quite a bit. And then second, if you really enjoyed this episode, we would love if you left us a review as well and told us what you liked about it. You know, what information was useful, what things were not useful, would you like to know more about, what guests you want to have on in the future. And then also as you kind of go about your day, if you found something really useful, just toss it up on social media. We love to hear from people on Instagram or Twitter or, you know, all the different websites that they're using for social media. Facebook is great too. But yeah, let us know what you like because honestly, the podcast comes from people who just tell us what they're finding useful and that's how we create the next set of content. So yeah, tag us in the podcast or tag us online, whatever you're doing it and uh, let us know what you think. Thanks.